0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The new documentary airing on the Nine Network tonight and other PBS stations around the country wasn't just filmed in St. Louis. It also tells the uniquely St. Louis story of the Nahed Chapman New American Academy that's also known as NCNAA. It's a two-year school within the St. Louis Public School District and it helps refugee students and newcomers to the U.S. get their footing. As the filmmakers learned, it's doing incredible work. Body is 100% immigrant and or refugee students. They come from all over the world. We really spent a lot of time getting to know them personally, hearing their stories and learning about their educational background, and we're helping them to heal. Oh, uh, I'm from Kenya. And I'm from Afghanistan. Like, whatever music if I like, I will send her and she's gonna listen.
1: I like Justine Bieber. Sound. You're not camera shy. are
0: the best on the world. Before we had this program, I think a lot of these kids, they will get lost in the cracks just because they had not had teachers to get them acclimated to being in school here. And that is from the documentary Day One, which focuses on the work being done at the St. Louis Public School known as NCNAA. And joining us today to talk about the film is its director and producer, Lori Miller. Lori, welcome. Welcome. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. So I understand it was a personal connection that brought you to St. Louis and got you interested in the subject of this film. How did that come about?
1: Um, yes, exactly. I'm actually based in Los Angeles. Um, I'm a filmmaker here, and um, I had kept in touch, luckily, with an old friend of mine from school back in my New York days, Uh his name is Peter Tao, and he's a longtime St. Louis resident. He grew up in St. Louis, and his father actually was an immigrant mm-hmm. from China. Um, he was very involved in refugee, the refugee uh, resettlement community. He's involved with the International Institute of St. Louis, which is an amazing organization also. Mm-hmm. And he called me to tell me about the work that he was doing. Um, at the time, he was... Involved in organizing a, um, building an entire recreational area for the school NCNAA NAA, and um, he asked me if I w- was interested in looking at this for a film subject. And the 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 uh, soccer field and recreational area had already been finished. So mm. I said, well, we can't really make a film about that because that's already happened. And you know. But let me come out, let me come out with my cinematographer and we'll take a look and see what's there. And we just, I personally was just amazed at the work that was being done at this school and wanted to pursue the subject.
0: Was it hard to get access? I mean, here you've got a public school and a a public school dealing with some young kids who've been through a lot, frankly.
1: Um, Yeah, we, it, it was definitely a delicate subject, but we tried very, very hard to make the film about the school, the kids, and the teachers, as well as the greater community in St. Louis. And we really tried to focus on the film as kind of a model that could really help a vulnerable population that had been through traumatic experiences. So in getting access, we just tried to, you know, keep everything, you know, extremely safe for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, just do little snippets about the kids and really focus the film on the lives of the um, the teachers and the community at large as well.
0: Yeah, it seems like the film did very consciously focus on opening up the teachers a bit. We got to see some of them at home. We didn't so much get to see the kids at home. Was that because of access issues or was that a conscious that was the framing you wanted for this? You know, the
1: film was sort of evolving um, from the very beginning. I've I've learned as a storyteller over the years that you can't decide what your story is going to be when you, you know, kind of go into the process. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I was very, I think one of the things that I was just drawn to as kind of a general subject matter is our public school teachers in this country and, you know, just how inspirational they are and the work that they do and... I found this particular group to just be so brilliant um, and inspirational. And I really wanted to explore their lives and their um, motivations for what they do. And I thought that that um, was a good framing for the story, just to take us outside of the school a bit and just uh, kind of show how these people had devoted their lives to saving kids and helping kids. And um, I was just extremely personally drawn to that part of the story.
0: And their devotion really comes across, I mean, as a taxpayer, it just made me feel so good about these teachers who are there um, working so hard and dealing with some really serious trauma. I wanna play a clip from the film. And in it, uh, two different teachers talk about some of what their students experience. Some of our students have reported the young boys have been boy soldiers and a lot of them were very traumatized by it. It's almost like their childhood was taken. When you see them interact with other kids their age, you see that there's a very big difference. Once they've been a man in their country, it's hard to go back to being a 10-year-old boy. I had one student, I was saying, you know, you need to go to class get it's a class on time. And he was kind of refusing to do something. And he didn't speak good English, but he said something about machete. Even if you get a machete, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do that. And so I said, what? And so I just kind of talked to him and said, what's a machete? I said, I would never do that. I care about you. There are no machetes here. And he just totally turned around and did exactly what I asked him. And that is from the documentary Day One, which airs on uh, the Nine Network tonight. We're talking to filmmaker Lori Miller. Um, Lori, these are some really intense issues here. How does the school deal with some of the trauma these kids are coming in with?
1: So the school, um, I thought was this was also very interesting, um, just in St. Louis, how all the different agencies are connected and how they collaborate together. So for instance... Um, they work with a group called the Bilingual Institute of St. Louis, which is a nonprofit organization. And I may have gotten their name a little bit incorrect, and so hopefully we can correct that later. But um, they're a um, nonprofit organization in St. Louis that has developed um, really a unique, one-of-a-kind way of helping um, adults and children who have experienced war traumas. Mm -hmm. And they worked with St. Louis Public Schools to bring in these counselors who helped train the teachers. Um, And so one of the counselors that we see in the film, her name is Kelly McBride, she's doing this somatic uh, trauma therapy with some of the kids. And I think just, um, I thought the school was such an interesting model that I wanted to present to the country, to the world to help any kids that have been through trauma, whether they've lived through poverty or uh, other types of traumas. And so it was just, just very interesting to see how the different sections of the school, the teachers themselves just happened to be just unbelievably compassionate, loving people who mm-hmm. had gone through various trainings um, over the years. Um, but it was just sort of this collaboration. There were social workers and there was the consulting with the International Institute. There was this huge community of volunteers. Um, There's a foundation called the Little Bit Foundation, and they provide clothing, furniture for the refugees. There was just this incredible community involvement that wanted to blanket these children with love and hope. Mm-hmm. And there was just such support for this and, and just coming from another place, I was just amazed at what I was seeing and and really the results that they were getting in terms of, you know, helping helping these kids just really stabilize and be able to go on to lead, you know, productive
0: lives and have great futures. It does come across as just this amazing place, as somebody describes it in your film, uh, quote, soft place to land. It seems like they do a great job of providing that. I did find myself worrying, though. Do we know how these kids do once they're done with this two-year program and they end up in just the mainstream school system where there's not going to be all that special help and attention um, that's just built into this school?
1: Yeah, I think it's, um, I think a lot of the kids from what I'm hearing have done extremely well. Mm. They've gone on, they've graduated, um, they've entered community college, regular college, um, and some of them, um, Betsy Cohen, who's in the film, she runs the St. Louis um, Mosaic Partnership, which is Mm. through the Economic Development Department of St. Louis, she talks a lot about the economic pressures that these kids have um, to support their families. Mm -hmm. And we find that some of the kids, I think they have to eventually drop out because they need to work. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's one of the issues that we're coming up, that they've been coming up against. But I think in general, um, having this idea of a quote transitional school Um, To help, I think there's a lot of programs that help immigrants and refugees throughout the country, throughout different public school systems. But I was unaware of any individual transitional program Mm -hmm. where they take the kids and they really give them this extra support that they need. You know, a lot of it's psychological, but a lot of it is just kind of slowing down the teaching of the English language as well. And keeping the kids in a more kind of, um, you know, quieter environment where they're not, um, they're dealing with all their war traumas, mm-hmm. so they're not being sort of thrown out. I think Kelly Moore, who's now the principal of the school, she uses the term, um, they're not thrown out into the masses. So I think this, quote, soft place to land does make a difference for the kids, and they there are good results. Um mm-hmm. It's, it's tough to support their families so they don't all get through.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned these economic pressures. There's also some political pressures in this film. You were filming when Donald Trump announced uh, plans to crack down on immigration. Did the students seem aware of that going on in the, in the broader world? Yeah,
1: you know, many of the students did seem aware of that. And that was another reason why I wanted to film during this time. I just was um, really... Um, interested in being around a group of immigrants, new immigrants to the country who had been traumatized and who were all really planning to give back and wanted to be part of this society and community in a really positive way. And they were, it was just very um, kind of bittersweet and just really tragic to see them feel rejected and feel scared Mm -hmm. that something could happen to them Um, or that this country that had given them shelter was now turning on them and they had already been cast out from their home countries, uh, not by their choice. And here they are hearing and feeling this, this extreme anti-immigrant rhetoric and it was heartbreaking, frankly.
0: Was there a sense from some of them, hey, here we go again, that, that, that they were worried that maybe this country wasn't interested in having them here long term?
1: Yeah, I think that they were very scared. And I think that um, I think with a lot of the refugees, they're really just surviving in the beginning, especially on a kind of a day to day basis. They're learning a new language. They're trying to survive economically and. Um, so this was just sort of another layer that was hoisted on them, Mm -hmm. hoisted on them maybe, um, that they had to contend with. So I think it just increased their stress and trauma, Mm -hmm. um, when we were filming, but they, these, this community in general are just, they're such fighters and they've been through so much and they're very, very, um, they just they're very determined peoples all of them is what i
0: learned. So Yeah, i i came was, out of this film i was not so much worried for these kids as just so impressed by them.
1: That's how i felt too. I mean, that's what got me just so excited. Um i thought that they were just so um i mean, we hear the word resilient a lot. It's almost like a cliche, but um i do think that when you go through great trauma and you suffer um, you do become wiser at a younger age. And I really felt that from these kids. I felt like they were, many of them were sort of old souls, incredibly mm-hmm. wise kids. And you could see it in their eyes and you could see that they were gonna, they were gonna go forward and that. and And I think they also, they had seen so many of their friends and relatives not get a second chance at life. And that was, and they understood that even though it wasn't a perfect situation uh, with the anti immigrant sentiments in this country or poverty issues that they needed to deal with, that I covered a lot of that in the film, just you know, how they how their families try to survive economically.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, uh, it just all comes through so wonderfully. So that film is day one. It airs on the Nine Network tonight. That's May 12th at 10 p.m. And we did want to mention that the nonprofit that Lori mentioned, that is the St. Louis-based Bilingual International Assistance Services. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.